Satnam, I'm Guru Prakarmakar. Guru Singh and I travel the world, loving to meet an ever-growing global community. We are appreciative of your vital role on this planet, for it is your willingness to be here and listen that calls forth wisdom, that activates our collective voice in service. Your questions bring forth the answers. For a wealth of information about who we are and what we do, please visit gurusingh.com. Bless you. For every one of us who had a stuffed animal at some point in our life, mm, this one has the Radrakshana beads on it, tears of Shiva. Ha. We, if we go back to that time in our life, we can remember the sensation of connection the sensation of connection between who we were and who we imagined our stuffed animal to be or our blanket or whatever it was that gave us that security. And actually they find that those activities in a child's life give it a greater sense of self a greater sense of well-being and a greater sense of value because there's something that values them in reflection to their value of it. And so that's that what goes around comes around. And that's very much the goes around comes around is very much a product of the heart center, the heart brain the neurology in this area of our body. And so as we had this security blanket or stuffed animal or a doll or even, even a pet as a child, these events in our life gave us that connection to all life which gave us a sense of safety. And in that sense of safety, we became vulnerable. And in that vulnerability, we became absorbent. And in that absorption, we learned and we grew. And this is how what this format can do for us and what separating children from their parents is destroying. By separating children from their parents, we destroy that sense of connection. And when a person grows up without a sense of connection, they're very dangerous. So we're actually feeding insecurity to the world by trying to create this false sense of security. What, in the cosmic sense, this is actually working with is that at the moment of our inception and conception we're a seed with the potential 
of fulfillment. Every seed has the potential of fulfillment. And that potential, when you open it through your sense of security, I should be Kali when I teach because then I have eight arms and I could do a whole lot more. I could even play my guitar right now. So when you, as a seed, when you have that sense of security, you sprout. And then you maintain that sense of security as you sprout. And in that sense of security, you become vulnerable. And in that vulnerability, you become absorbing. And in that absorption, you absorb knowledge and wisdom and grow. And that's a healthy way of working. Everything that we're doing right now for security is the most unsafe. What is the old yogic saying? Trying to feel safe is the most dangerous form of life. And so what happens is that when we feel very secure as our seed, we fully dissolve the shell. Because when a shell of the seed is not fully dissolved, it becomes obstructive. It gets in the way. And what you will find is, especially if you are repeating lessons over and over again, what you will find is that what you're simply not feeling is safe enough. And so you stay with the same lessons rather than explore new ones. That repeating loop, ah, oh, there it goes again. Ah, oh, man, there it goes again. Hmm? We all have that at some level in our life. And what that's demonstrating is that we haven't fully dissolved the shell of protection. And so in that sensation that we are not safe, we are holding on to the security of the familiar rather than growing into the unfamiliar. When we decide that we feel secure and we grow into the unfamiliar, we reach out by nature. We reach out for help. And if you're really involved in growing, as Guru Nanak said, be dead while yet alive. In other words, completely eliminate that which you understand by growing beyond it into that which you have no idea of what it is. It's a, it's a sensation of death. Because in death you drop everything that you've known and yet you still exist. So who are you without everything that you have ever known? Who are you? And that's how you feel in that moment of death. It can be extremely inspiring, or it can be something quite opposite of that. When you reach out in that, say, let's say, that, that death, not your death, but in that moment of literally giving up the familiar and reaching out into the unfamiliar, you reach out to what was there at the moment of your inception, conception, and that is the infinity of the seed. 
always with you. It's an informational storage. That informational storage is just giving you an indication that the possibilities are endless. Are you willing to go for one of them? And do you have a dream that's aligned with any of them? Because if you do, you can match them up and go for it. And the outcome is guaranteed as long as you keep on walking. What does they say about hell? When you find yourself in hell, don't stop walking. And so surrounding all of your moments, which are in and of themselves seeds, every moment is a seed of infinity. In each of the moments of your life, what you end up with is you end up with access to what I've shown here in yellow, that surrounding frequency of infinity. What do you need? Ask infinity, right? What do you need? Ask infinity. And that infinity you can personify. Christians call that infinity Jesus. Buddhists call that infinity Buddha. Hindus call that infinity many different things, Rama, Parvati, Narayana, even Krishna. Muslims call that infinity Allah. In other words, they're relating to that security of infinity, which has everything and every possibility. And then they've given it a name. What's the name here? Yogi Bear? <laughs> like this little one whose name is Yogi Bear. Yogi Bear has been sitting in my living room. It actually belongs to Mary Carr. But he's been visiting for a couple of months. He's built a great friendship with his friend Giant Frog, which is actually almost life-size. I mean, not frog life-size, but human life-size. <laughs> And they have been sitting in this chair. And when our grandchildren have come over, oh my goodness, for them, this makes the whole house worthwhile. Nothing can go wrong in the house as long as those creatures are there. That is what is known as a belief system. And in our world, What you breathe, these are the lungs surrounding the heart, what you breathe, you believe. And let me break it down into anatomical terms. Your beliefs are attitudes that are vibrating within you, as well as vibrating in your consciousness, which is without you. But as long as it's vibrating in a vocal tone within you, it's traveling from the right inner ear down the eustachian tube, across the throat, up the eustachian tube, and into the left inner ear. You communicate in thought from your right inner ear to your left inner ear, and it passes through your throat for a reason. Because as it's passing through your throat, you're breathing down through your throat. And it's carrying 
the echoes, the trace elements of the frequency of those attitudes, thoughts, opinions, etc., into your lungs, putting it into the blood and distributing it through the heart. And this has been proven medically that your thought waves are actually passing through your throat and that there is traces of them throughout your body. This is the original cross. This is what the cross originally meant. It meant breathe to believe. Not believe in something out there, believe in what you are in here. And that got certainly turned around. In all of the religions of the world, even in, the old, in all of the religions of the world, they set up iconic figures that are unreachable. And when there is a, an example for your life that is unreachable by your life, it is of no value to your life. And that's one of the reasons why Yogi Bhajan said, I don't want you to be like me. I want you to be better than me. Not that I will stand out as something of an iconic figure that you will eternally follow, but that I will become an example of how you can blow open what confines you and reach out into that unfamiliarity of growth. The more miserable you are, the more you're holding on to familiarity until it stagnates. Or, while having gotten stagnated, you begin to move of your own will rather than simply surrendering back to that infinite will of your seed. Because when you can surrender back into that infinite nature of your seed, you have guidance. You surrender back into the infinite nature of Yogi Bear. You got guidance. Not because Yogi Bear gives you guidance. Not because Jesus gives you guidance. Not because Guru Ramdas gives you guidance. Because, but because when you are in that state, using one of them as an excuse, you're in that state of being open and vulnerable and intuitive and you become resonant with the universal guidance. You resonate at a like frequency, like a radio station has to tune its resonance discs, or if it's digital, it has to tune its digital formation to the same frequency that the station is broadcasting at. You tune your personal radio frequency of your brain, brains, to the frequency that you want to attain in the universal mind, the universal broadcast, bingo. All of a sudden you're practicing the Buddhist prayer. The thoughts I am to think, I shall think. The places I am to go, I shall go. The people I am to meet, I shall meet. And the words that I am to say will form on my lips as I speak. 
that is being in complete resonance with your guidance, with that which has been there since the time of your inception conception in this lifetime. And in fact, it's got a lot of storage from all your previous lifetimes. It has the infinite ability to be insightful, the intuitive capacity, and so you can look into your genealogy and you can begin to understand why you needed exactly what you got. Because exactly what you got is what has allowed you to get to the place where you're either so frustrated with how things are that you're seeking something beyond you. So frustration is a great stimulant to becoming that which you can be. Or you're just in such a divine state of love that you just want more. You, and then there's all those areas in between. The two ends and the extremes of the spectrum. Because it is a Mobius strip. It's a continuum. Nothing is actually different than anything else. Because at a certain level, you can see it's all the same. And so what we're working with in today's class are those parts of our physical anatomy that give us the capacity to make those connections. That we can make those connections to motivation. We can make those connections to intention. We can make those connections to purpose, or you might call it mission. And then this, these faint little ideas of angles and triangles and parallelograms and all of the geometric patterns that move us forward through thought in these little tiny notions that, oh, maybe I'll try that, no, maybe I'll try that. And we get them through the emotions that are trying to just be in this, this world, to make this world, to do this world. But the emotions are usually caught up in the nature of the world itself. And the nature of planet Earth right now, as well stated, I, gosh, that little child from Sweden, when she said, shame on you. Wow. It was like in the early 1950s when um, McCarthyism was going on, right? And there was one senator that stood up and said that very same word. Senator McCarthy, have you no shame? Whoa, we don't like to give shame or be in shame or have shame, but wow, if you need a weapon as a warrior, use that word. But don't use it too much, otherwise it becomes meaningless. But you have all of these emotions, these emotions of shame and guilt and fear and doubt and all of those things just storming in your belly. You've got to clarify your belly. We'll do it some this morning. So that you organize your organs that they are communicating from proper positioning. The geometry of your biometry is very clear and structured. 
And that's how you can allow your notions to make it through that chaos and morass. Morass. Morass, I think. <laughs> Pronunciation and enunciation is important, you know. <laughs> that reminds me of, of a story. Yogi Bhajan, when he came, he, somebody had given him a watch, and it must have been a watch they didn't want anymore because it didn't really function that well. And it had one of those, those uh, clip, you know, fold and clip, um, ca um, not class, but band, you know, band, right? And he would always go like this when he's telling us to do what we were supposed to do. And every single time, he'd go like that, that clasp would just fly open and the watch would go sailing, you know, and then somebody had have to go get it and bring it back to it. But the word that he was using, and I'm just, I'm just telling you this story because of the way I said more ass, um, instead of more ass. It's like, really? Um, he would say, an old English term that got found its way into India and it was buck up, buck up, buck up. And finally Shakti Parwakar goes up to him and says, sir, from the back of the room we have no idea exactly what you're saying because it's just too close to another expression. And so that's when he made up the expression, keep up, keep up, right? And then, of course, somebody got poetic and added, and you'll be kept up, you know? So he's like, everything has a story, right? And everything has an, or, whoops, sorry. Everything has an origin. Forgot I didn't mean to. Uh... <laughs> and so what you will have to realize that in this chaos and morass of that abdomen, you can clarify it. You can clarify it through diet. You can clarify it through rest. You can clarify it through proper exercise. And the gut brain, once it starts to become organized, becomes your connector. That's how you connect with everyone around you. And when you connect with everyone around you, the head brain is going, holy crap, I don't know what I'm doing. You know this, you know this, you know this, you know this. All the things that will disconnect you. Because if you're in danger, you need to disconnect so you can experience and see the danger. But the way the sympathetic nervous system and the head brain operate together, you're always in danger, according to them. But when that always in danger is operating parallel to the connecting mechanism, then you realize that in amongst all that danger, the connection is so valuable that you will override the danger points by experiencing and expressing the value. One would think it's dangerous to worship a stuffed bear. But the openness and the sincerity and all of the other aspects of that relationship, that connection, 
override and you will intuitively know that if you're worshiping your bear and you happen to be walking toward the street, that you will intuitively know at the very moment you stop and you look both ways. It's not the same as when people are texting on their phones. In London, they're thinking of putting rubber bumpers on the lamppost because so many people are going to the ER because as they're walking and texting, they have ran their head straight into a post. Not the same as your little guardian guide. Hmm? We are becoming so disconnected. What is it they say? There's nothing social about social media. We are becoming so disconnected because of many reasons, but one of them is that all we are educating in the schools today, private schools are oftentimes moving around this, but in public education, all we're educating is the sympathetic nervous system, which is the competitive one, and the don't let people see, you know, cheating, all of this stuff that causes people to disconnect produces, all they educate is the head brain and the sympathetic nervous system. And so you're literally producing disconnected, unhappy people that can go out and get a slave job for X dollars an hour, sell their life by the hour in order for them to pay that which is making billions of dollars the bills to the major corporations. Go figure, go figure. I mean, don't stop paying your bills, but get a 35-year plan together so that you will literally be working for you, experiencing you, and fulfilling you. And that you and you, that's you and you and you and you, right, includes everyone else. So you're not being selfish, you're being self Isht. And isht means that place where you bow, that place where you're humble. Mwah. Bless you for joining us. Visit gurusing.com for an ever expanding archive of lectures, videos, yoga sets, meditations, and more. All the classes can be found now on gurusing.teachable.com. There's going to be long-form classes available there, 30-minute long yoga classes with Kriya. There's also what is called a Kundalini Recharge. It's a brief lecture about something like depression or gratitude or achievement or partnering or success and it'll be a lecture with a pranayama, a breathing exercise, and a single asana that you can just jump into during the day and then it'll round out with an affirmation or meditation. And these will be like 11 minutes. And then there are also going to be audio files which are guided 11-minute meditations which you can listen to. And that's all within gurusing.com. Satnam.